0: Santa's watching, Santa's creeping Now you're nodding, now you're sleeping Were you good for mom and dad? Santa knows if you've been bad They're Welcome to Now Playing's Silent Night, Deadly Night Retrospective Series This fella, dressed as Santa, he said about killing men that was naughty Hosted by Stuart. What the hell's wrong with that kid? Arnie. I don't sleep. And Marjorie.
1: Well, I stop seeing these creepy things. I hate it.
0: Each week, we will be unwrapping and reviewing another film in the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Leading up to a review of the remake, coming out in December. Christmas. The number one holiday for people going nuts. But be warned. Opening this gift will give you detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Santa Merry fucking Christmas.
1: Riding. Santa's creeping, now you're nodding, now you're sleeping. Were you good
2: for Mom and Dad? Santa knows if you've been bad. There might be Today we're discussing Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. The Toymaker, starring William Thorne, Jane Haggison, Tracy Frame, Mickey Rooney. (laughs) I love it. And Brian Bremer, directed by Martin Kittrusser. This is Arnie, and I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. Stuart in LA.
1: And this is Marjorie, and I'm a real girl. Prove it. Are you anatomically correct? We're going to get
3: down to the fine details about what being real is all about. Because Mickey don't accept <laughs> you unless you have all your parts. <laughs> I didn't know this about Mickey Rooney. There's so much I did not know about Mickey Rooney. But you know, one thing I did know about Mickey Rooney is how much he hated Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or so I thought.
2: <laughs> well, he was one of many who jumped on the bandwagon. But yes... If you pick up the Silent Night Deadly Night DVD, which is now available in stores for $15, not the hundred and some I paid for it. (gasps) Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh! Yeah, they re-released parts one and two the double disc DVD because of the remake. Guess you'll have to buy both now, right? (laughs) (laughs) They released it after we did our first review, so I couldn't wait around. But if you go into those extras, there's letters from angry people, and there's a lot of concerned parents and things like that, and there's some critics, they have some bad critic reviews. But there's also a quote from Mickey Rooney, an actor in Hollywood, California, and what it says is, How dare they! (laughs) I'm all for the First Amendment, but don't give me Santa Claus with a gun gonna kill someone. The scum who made that movie should be run out of town. (laughs)
1: Are you kidding?
3: That was 1984, and now it's 1991, and he's starring as said killer Santa. At least in part of it, he's actually in the suit abducting children. I don't know what Mickey was doing in his life. Financial poverty is all that I can guess that would be why he'd agree to do this. Certainly, he'd like to have stood on his morals as the wholesome entertainer that we've known for decades. Mickey Rooney, this is as cotton candy Americana as it gets. The thought that he would take his holiday image as the voice of Santa Claus from all those cute stop-motion TV specials and apply it to A Silent Night, Deadly Night, a part five at that, well... That's a stunner. When I heard that, I couldn't wait to see this movie. I got to say, after the last one, I wasn't feeling it. But knowing that Mickey Rooney was bringing his star power to play a killer Santa for part five, I was definitely down this time, guys.
1: Is he dead now? I'm just curious because I don't know.
3: Well, he's not as of this recording.
1: Okay.
2: By the time it (laughs)
1: airs. (laughs) There are
3: always vultures in the air. That's all I can say.
1: I've always found him to be super creepy. I can't stand Mickey Rooney. He creeps me out. And maybe it's because he's fun size, a squeaky voice. I don't know, but he creeps me out.
3: Yes, you could apply anything that's so cutesy can be turned just a hair and made frightening. You find him frightening all the time. I can't say that I find him frightening all the time, but I could see how you could apply his quote unquote charm into something lecherous. It's not a big jump from him as the Chinaman from Breakfast at Tiffany's into a Santa killer.
2: Well, I was looking forward to this movie because of the cover. It has a little boy surrounded by menacing-looking teddy bears... And it says, he's home, but he's not alone.
3: (laughs) Blatantly referencing one of the many films, I would say, that they're recalling in this film, that Home Alone had been the holiday sensation of 1990. And this was one year later, 1991 November was when this was released. Direct-to-DVD, I imagine. I don't think it got a theatrical release at all. I don't think any of these later ones did.
2: No, they were all direct-to-video back during the days of Witchblade and the heyday of leprechaun before he went to the hood Oh, those days yes
3: well those were also the days that I was actually working in a toy store believe it or not I was working for a second-rate department store they did not think that my sales experience was sufficient enough to sell electronics I was demoted to toys for the holiday season And a lot of time stocking and messing around with toys at this time. So I'm really going to hold this movie to it. I know exactly what was popular in this time. It was New Kids on the Block. It was Polly Pocket. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm going to be seeing whether this movie is an accurate portrayal of toy selling in 1991. Did you work at Pedos? (laughs) I didn't work at Pedos, but it was like one hair better. It was like Pedos with a housewares department. Pedos with a blender. And guns.
1: They did have an extensive gun collection, you are right. Right next to the toys, of course. Yeah, that's where everybody keeps their guns.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. Would you like a bow and arrow for real or with rubber (laughs) on it? Because they're side by side here. Well, I think that only can mean that it's time for a plot summary or maybe a song, Arnie? Me, 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 me.
2: I love this. I gotta say, I am so looking
3: forward to this.
2: Well, after going a little too much into crooner territory last time,
3: (laughs) (laughs) it was ambitious.
2: I thought you were auditioning for American Idol, honestly. I decided to go a little bit more rockin' on this one. Okay. Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Toymaker Tells a story about a young boy He finds a present in front of his pad A toy robot that kills his dad Two weeks later, Derek hasn't spoke since His mom thinks a toy will cheer up the boy (laughs) So Sarah takes him to Pedo's toy shop For a quick toy stop Pedo San Pino is a Mino robot that a <laughs> made. Not a real boy, so he makes toys to kill Derek and take the boy's place. But we are left to wonder who is the bad guy. Pedo's a mean old drunk, and there's another guy in a leather coat. Who is this Noah guy? Noah's a store Santa stalking the boy. He's late on rent cause money was spent Buying Pedos toys, is this Noah bad? No, he's Derek's real dad. Pino's playthings are amazing They kill some horny teens. Kim and Lonnie thought they were free But they're back and Lonnie is attacked Pino wants to rape Sarah, his new mommy But he's not anatomically correct But Sarah is saved by Derek's real dad Pino killed Pedo Noah saves the day Noah turns Pino off
3: Very nice. And quite accurate. I am always impressed that not only do you capture the holiday, but you actually capture the movie. That is the movie. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I got to say, I think changing gears here is wise. We'd had three movies that were more or less about Ricky the Killer, but once they kind of moved away from my favorite Ricky, part two, Ricky, I was up for uh, Halloween Three, if you will. I was up for them doing something entirely different that had little to nothing to do with the original movie plot lines. So Killer Toys: always a good hook for me. I've always enjoyed the genre, dolls, the Stuart Gordon movie, you know, well, all right, I hated Chucky. What am I saying? <laughs> And Chucky, I actually, that didn't work for me.
2: Yeah, are we doing Demonic Toys versus Puppet Master anytime soon? You're going to get the listener's hopes up if you say you like (laughs) this shit. I've never seen them. I could do them. I haven't seen them. But when you're at a young
3: age, it's fun to watch movies about toys run amok. I just was always up for it. Well...
2: I kind of thought the last one was Halloween 3, because we had really separated. I am still not sure that was the same Ricky. I really am not. It was a Ricky. I don't think it was the Ricky. And hell, last time was the season of the witch. But here they went the other way. The children's playthings that kills the child, which is also right out of Halloween 3.
3: Yes, yes, very
2: much so. Everything was about
3: don't open till Christmas. Everything is building towards all these gifts. I'm assuming it's going to be a mass annihilation that kids are going to open up presents and be exterminated by them on Christmas morning. They're trying to do the same thing for this holiday that the witches and warlocks try to do in Halloween 3. Yes, that's my assumption as we get into the start of this movie and this mysterious box shows up on Derek's doorstep saying don't open until Christmas. What if he hadn't? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There'd be no movie. They never get the Christmas in this movie.
1: I have kind of had the same thing, especially when Pedo's toy store came into play and Pino was acting kind of weird and got the toy out of the basement, which was a larvae. But I kind of had the same feeling, too, that it was this mass killing thing that was going to happen on Christmas Day. Like everybody's going to play with their toys and then a special cartoon comes on and the toys come to life and kill everybody.
3: It would be something to hope for, at least, but it should be established that pedos toys is not popular. It isn't the trend. It isn't the rage. I know what kids want in 1990, 1991, and larvae and
2: robots aren't it. They want a Nintendo. Well, forget even 91. I remember in the 80s when I was into He-Man and Transformers and every Saturday I'd call all the toy stores and we basically had a Pedos Toys, right? It was this educational toy store and I one time, one time <laughs> made the mistake of calling them and asking them if they had the faker He-Man toy and got a lecture over the phone about how those toys are no good for me and I need to come in and see these educational toys.
3: Well, you never know if you had bought those toys, you might be working at NASA right now instead of doing this podcast and watching Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. He might have been right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad you didn't because it's going to make for a fun Friday holiday. I was actually excited, though, when the opening credits came because Brian Yusena's name was in the credits again. And even though last week he kind of did me wrong, I still had some hope. He was producing this. He co-wrote this. Plus, in the opening credits, Screaming Mad George. Do you remember Screaming Mad George, Stewart from our previous retrospective? I did remember that we brought him up, but anytime that someone is credited as
3: Screaming Mad George, I do stand to attention. I did look up what this guy had done. Did we talk about him in
2: Predator? No, we actually talked about him with the cockroach transformation of Nightmare on Elm Street 4.
3: Yeah, I saw that on his resume as well, as well as the tequila worm from Poltergeist 2. This guy had worked in studio films up to this point. You wouldn't think in the 90s he would need
2: Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, but...
1: I think somebody had a lot of dirt on certain people.
2: Yeah, keep in mind, this was two years after Dream Master only, so his career should have been doing very well. I was hoping, even if the story sucked ass, and it does, (laughs) that we would have a wonderfully gory time because of Screaming Mad George. The cockroach was one of the most memorable kills in all of the Nightmare films, and he was brought in by Rennie just for that. So I was hoping that we would get something wild. But with all of these Silent Night films, I go in spoiler free. I don't know what to expect. And so I know it's called The Toy Maker in the opening credits. I see Mickey Rooney's in it but I don't know who the killer's going to be, what's going to be going on. So when little Derek gets his present of the Pokemon Ball, while his dad is also having a ball, (laughs) I don't know exactly where it's going to go. And when the Pokemon Ball starts playing a funeral dirge... (laughs) Yeah, it goes from Jingle Bells to the Death March. And killing the father... I'm taking it back to Friday the 13th, the series. I'm like, are there cursed toys? Oh, I thought for sure you were going to go Hellraiser on that one.
3: It was very Levant configuration.
2: It wished it was.
3: You're <laughs> right. Yes. It was vaguely Levant configuration.
2: Yes. But then it turned into like a really weird thing. Maybe because we just saw the father screwing the mother in the bed in one of Silent Night Deadly Night's mini gratuitous sex scenes, but- It was like the thing turned into a giant ball gag, wasn't it? It was a big red ball in his mouth. What happens
3: in this scene? I'm trying to understand. Now, this is a present. I'll just jump to the future. This is a present that has been laid there to kill Derek. That is its target. The fact that it gets opened by somebody else is completely incidental. It was not the target. It goes from a ball into a Santa, latches on his face. Is it choking him? Is he unable to breathe?
1: See, I was confused on that, too. I didn't know if it was, like, biting his nose or his tongue. (laughs) Right. I don't know. And it wrapped its, like, tentacles around its head. I don't know how he was killing it. Then I thought maybe he was, like, shoving something down his throat and choking him. I don't know.
3: I just think that if you wanted to choke somebody, you wouldn't use a ball to do that. The wrapping would be more likely to (laughs) choke you than this ball, but hey, whatever. He doesn't even die that way. He ends up falling on a fire poker, impaling his head that way, and the ball crawls away. It's all
2: kinds of weirdness. I'm wondering, what do you guys think is going on at this point? I tell you, I thought it was cursed toys like Friday the 13th, the series, and there would be the Uncle Leo or whatever his name was from the series that is made a deal with the devil, and these are Satan's toys. That's where I went with it. I had no idea where this film would really take me. I
1: didn't have any idea either. I was still thinking a season of the witch kind of thing, given the last movie with the druids or the witches and everything. I was thinking more along that lines, but it's still puzzled as to how this guy was getting killed by the red monster Santa thing that didn't look like a fun toy anyway.
3: No. I had one other thought here of that maybe Derek was in on it, or maybe that the toys acted on his own wishes. The dad comes, he jerks him around here. He gets nearly beaten for opening the door to a stranger, a potential stranger. I thought that maybe the toys were doing his will. I thought the potential was that these toys did the will of Derek and that It was kind of going to be like he was the bad guy. That was what I was prepared for, sort of like an omen kind of thing with demonic toys.
2: I kind of wondered if that was the case, too. Did Derek want him dead? I really think one thing that this movie does as a cheat is not tell us this is Derek's stepfather. And that would have helped things, I think. I don't know how they would have gotten it in this early in the film, but to know it was the stepfather would have also helped to think that Derek may not like him just because of the stereotype of wicked step-parents and all of that.
1: And Mama mom appears to be a whore.
2: Well, no one knows that he is the stepfather except the wife. That's a
3: big surprise. The child doesn't know that he's not a biological father. The actual father
2: that's kind of stalking the place doesn't know. It's all kinds of strange. And you mentioned Season of the Witch, Marjorie. This mother, whose name is Sarah, is friends with Kim... From the last movie.
1: I don't get this whole part here. What's the purpose? Just to remind us, hey, this is a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie also.
3: I think it could have been a direct tie-in. I could have imagined that, yes, after she watched FEMA burn and fall off the roof, she adopted the
2: kid in her arms and went to go live in suburbia. Because that's the same kid, too. Yeah, Lonnie's back. I couldn't believe Lonnie came back. But by bringing Kim and Lonnie into it like this, it made me think that perhaps the villains were carrying over too. Is it more Lilith worshippers? I don't know. One of the writers of this film, Brian Yuzna, is the director of the last film and the writer of the last
3: film. So he did have some involvement in shaping this project. You could see him making a direct tie-in if he really wanted to. But I'm not sure anyone really cared about this stepfather at all. Certainly not Sarah, because two weeks later, she's over it. She's just like, why is my son still upset? (laughs) Her whole concern is not trying to cash insurance policies or deal with grief. (laughs) It's to get her son talking again because he has gone mute by watching the trauma of his little Christmas toy
2: smothering his stepfather. That was also a bit jarring, wasn't it? I'm like, There should have been more grief. I know they jumped two weeks into the future, which was strange also because they had their tree up. There's presents showing up on the door. It says, don't open before Christmas. I didn't get the impression that we were two weeks away from Christmas. I thought
1: it was Christmas night. They had a fire going. The tree was up. She was getting her Christmas fuck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So to cheer this boy up from his father dying, she takes him to the crappiest toy store in the world. And I'm sitting here like, Pedos Toy Store.
1: The first thing that came through my mind because of Pedos was pedophile.
2: (laughs) Which this could also be a front for.
1: Exactly, because it's a toy store. It's an old man. Come on. Yeah,
3: you wouldn't be wrong in going that route. But
2: when you meet his son, Pino, you might be getting another clue there. Actually, I got it immediately. I didn't get Pino. I strangely was like, what the hell kind of name is Pino? And you thought pedophile, I'm thinking penis. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you'll be thinking it later, (laughs) certainly during the climax or lack thereof. Yes. But I'm thinking pedo. I'm like, oh, they think they're so clever, like Geppetto, like Pinocchio, the toy store. I did not believe for a moment that that would be the plot of the entire movie. I just thought it was a quick one-off reference that the toy store was going to be named after a famous toy maker from Disney. Yeah, I mean, Pinocchio is not a
3: Christmas story. As far as I can recall, nothing takes place in it at Christmas time, right? No.
2: If you're going to adapt a classic story into a horror story for Christmas, I would think that you would do something a bit more Christmassy. You would take something like, didn't they have a Jack Frost movie about a killer Frosty the Snowman? They did, and I believe this director also worked on that movie, yes. So I would think you'd go something that route. I wouldn't think that you would go Pinocchio and make it evil. A constant has to be a killer Santa. However far you want to go, you need
3: to bring Santa Claus into this. To me, that is your character. It doesn't necessarily have to be Ricky, but it does have to be a Santa killer.
2: And I was actually getting pissed because on the front of my Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 pack, that I paid way too much for, is Santa holding an axe. And so far, what I've gotten was an exposed brain guy in a hospital gown, and then a bunch of witches, and now I'm getting killer toys. I'm thinking they lied to me.
3: Yes, but for whatever reason, Joe Petto is Geppetto, and Pino, his never-aging boy, is Pinocchio. That's what they're doing. I get it, and yet I don't. And I never will, I don't think. But they have a really non-Disney relationship, don't they? I mean, this is an abusive
2: father-son mentorship going on.
1: Well, Joe's a drunk.
2: Yeah, I had no idea what was going on with this. It took me a little bit to figure out Pino was Pinocchio, but I was trying to figure out who the killer is, and there are really three suspects. You've got Pedo, Pino, and Noah, and... All three are seemingly nefarious in various ways. Noah's stalking a little boy and buying toys and taking them apart. Is he sabotaging the toys? Pedo is an abusive father who is screaming at his son. And the son, well, he looks like he stepped out of the 1950s greaser films.
3: Yeah, I don't have any guess. I will say that about Silent Night, Deadly Night. I did not know where it was going. Even though I guessed the Pinocchio thing early on, I had no idea who was responsible for what and who was in on it. I was confused. I couldn't call it a Who Done It because I didn't even know what was going on.
1: Yeah, it was very confusing. No one else was trying to be killed was the thing.
3: I didn't know if there was a plot. It Was more people going to be killed or was it just Derek that was the target? It wasn't clear to me even what the threat was at this point.
1: There's a lot of sloppy screenwriting in this.
3: All we know is that Pedo is angry at Pino and blames him for keeping the customers away. That's what he said. That's when I really don't understand what's going on. I'm like, (laughs) no, Joe, they're not coming because kids want Furbies. They don't (laughs) want larva. I might have been
2: cool with the larva.
1: That was the worst (laughs) toy ever.
2: Is it an action figure from the last film? It really made me, again, go back to the last film thinking... There's Bugs, there's Kim, there's Lonnie, who's way too old to be hanging out with Derek. Later... Actually, Derek is watching Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 on the TV. Maybe this
3: is the spinoff action figure that he wanted. I don't know why anyone would think that Larry the Larva would sell well, but it's not because the toys are homicidal. I'm convinced every mom in America would buy a Furby, even knowing it was radioactive, if that's what their kids were screaming (laughs) for. It is not the homicide. It's the unhipness of it that is keeping people away from this very sad toy store. But Joe doesn't see it that way. For what reasons we don't understand yet, he's blaming Pino.
2: And for reasons I still don't understand to this day, Pino is stalking the house because Sarah and Derek live in the house that Peto used to own before his toy business went south in the bad economy of the late 80s and early 90s.
1: you think that this would have come up before, though, because they seem to be in a pretty friendly relationship with Joe and they know Pino, and they know each other, you'd think that wouldn't have been the first time that it came up. Oh, by the way, you're living in the house that I lost to the bank. Thanks, bitch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Quite the opposite. Joe makes it clear that he prefers Derek to his own son, that he calls that out directly, that you get the sense that he'd like to be the father for this woman now that her husband was killed by a fireplace poker.
2: Except he's old and creepy, but yeah. But maybe particularly because he's old and creepy. Options don't look so good in this town. I do think this is supposed to be a whodunit. I think it's supposed to be a whodunit down till the end. But by the clumsy naming of the characters, I think this movie gives itself away. Because once I realized Pino is short for Pinocchio, I had the entire thing figured out. The only thing I didn't know is, was Pino a creation of pedo? that had gone nuts, or was Pino one of his evil creations and Pedo was sitting back like William Hickey and Puppet Master with all his demonic toys. But, my God, if they wanted to tell the Pinocchio story, did they have to name the characters this way? When I was 12, I was writing a short story about a kid who got transferred to a Mirror Mirror universe. I was a Star Trek fan. And his name was Tim, and in the Mirror universe, his counterpart was named Mitt. And I actually got dinged by the teacher saying no real person would be named Mitt. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Mittens! Last laugh on me, but that's the kind of clumsy writing that this exhibits by having characters named Pedo and Pino.
3: I knew because I had watched the trailer for this thing. I had heard Mickey Rooney. I ran to YouTube. I already kind of knew this surprise, but it didn't make sense to me. All right, it made sense that Joe Petto would make toys that come to life. What didn't make sense to me was why they were killing people. And there's no seeming motive for why he would want to hurt anybody. I was still trying to figure out what was going on, not who was causing the murders.
2: It got really confusing for me when the landlord comes to get Noah's rent. And Noah's like, I'll pay you tomorrow, and here's a toy for your kid, and gives him the larva. And I'm, as the movie wants me to do, wondering, did Noah intentionally kill his landlord? But it does lead to one of the most fun deaths in the movie. He says,
3: don't open it till Christmas, and it's to die for. That's what was written on the box of the Christmas ball that killed the dead in the opening scene. To die for, I wouldn't even call that a pun. It seemed like a threat. By giving this abusive landlord a killer toy, it does incriminate. This mysterious character who's running around in an army jacket that we don't understand. We think that he's in on it in some way, but I cannot figure out what.
1: Well, they intentionally do that, and I was very confused because he's buying these toys, and then they show him in his hotel-slash-apartment thing, and he's, like, taking them apart and everything. Was he on to the whole thing, or I'm confused. This whole part confused me.
3: We'll ultimately find out that where he grew up in Grove City was where Joe is from and where he originally tried this trick in the 70s. I guess Joe moves around a lot. He didn't just live in Sarah and Derek's house. He's lived in a lot of places and had to flee because all his customers were killed by killer toys. We'll find that out later. This is something that Noah is prompted about remembering when he sees Joe Petto and Sarah in the shop.
1: Yeah, but later on in that, he takes a while to remember it. So it's not like he was thinking this all along.
3: Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but I do feel like the confusion at this point is intentional. They want you to believe that these innocent toys are being tampered with, manipulated, much like Halloween candy with razor blades in it. This guy buys the wholesome toys and is doing something to them to make them kill. Because sure enough, the landlord, for whatever reason, decides to take the larvae as payment for another night's (laughs) rent. And while driving home, it comes to life. And he, yeah, I do love this death. What does it do? At first it's just trying to like pinch him in the butt or something. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, it keeps coming. I'm not sure what it's going for,
2: but it just keeps coming and he keeps throwing it in the backseat. Yeah. I really thought it was going up the back door.
1: I, oh, I didn't think that at all. I thought it was just going to bite his wiener.
3: Yeah. Well, it could have done anything. I don't know what larvae do when they attack. They don't <laughs> normally attack except in <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night four, but. <laughs> When it finally goes for his throat and comes out his eye socket, I was applauding. I really loved the way that it sucked his eyes inside and presumably ate them and came out the right
2: eye. All that was great. It is the only death I feel worthy of Screaming Mad George in this entire film. Yeah, it's a good one. And the deaths are key here. I mean, my key for enjoying
3: anything here, it's not to get a good movie. It is to get good kills from silly toys. I want to see a great, nasty little toy have a really gruesome end for some person that's worthy. And you're right. This is the best we're going to get in that category. Yeah, and it's pretty early on, too,
2: which is disappointing.
3: In the moment, I'm excited, because two deaths in 24 minutes is a better average than what we've had in all of these movies, I think. <laughs> but, yes, quickly they move on from this death. I don't even know that it has any ramification Noah never finds out that his landlord dies he never tries to pay him for the next day and nobody cares it's just to get a death in here that we have this scene at all but i'm glad they did it the plot continues without him noah breaks into Peto's shop and finds an old photograph from 1970 where mickey is much younger and pino is the same age and is starting to piece it all together noah
2: also is shown working as a store santa
3: Yes, this is why the landlord was banging on his door. He was paid. It should be said. He was paid up in full. This guy just didn't believe that a store Santa was going to be good for one more day's rent. He was coming over daily to collect because he did not believe this man was going to pay.
2: That's not how I took it. I thought that Pedro had maxed out his cards because he came over and said like the check bounced. And what I thought was since he was buying these toys and Petto knew that Noah was on to him, that Petto did something and like took all the money out of his account. What? Oh. Uh oh.
1: Petto can't use the internet.
2: Well, he was <laughs> running the credit card. True. And so I thought something had happened there where he just took the money. But yeah, he's working as a store Santa, and this is the biggest what the fuck moment in the entire movie. He's working with Ricky. I love
1: it Santa Claus Killer. <laughs>
2: I love that. It's the Clint Howard version of Ricky,
3: which I don't love as much. I would be so much happier if it was the Ricky from part two. But I guess his eyebrows were needed elsewhere. (laughs) We do have Clint Howard coming back as, yes, an employed Santa Claus, who I guess they don't do background checks in this, store.
1: No, they
2: didn't back then, Stuart. Because we are on Now Playing, I overthink this. (laughs) Is this in continuity? How did Ricky go from being a homeless... Addled person to being a fairly normal Santa. Was he under the control of the witches all the time? Or is this just meant to be a ha ha hey? You saw the last one too, didn't you? Moment. I think it's both. I think
3: it is mostly here as a joke, as a reminder of this character from the last film, much like Kim and Lonnie are. But I also think that yeah, it could work in continuity. It could be the very same Ricky. There's no reason to believe that he couldn't have pulled himself up by his bootstraps and been gainfully employed after he's kicked off the larva roof and having to find a real job. The witches aren't going to take care of him anymore.
2: I felt he phoned it in, that Clint Howard. I thought he did such a great job of being crazy last time that this time he wasn't acting the same. Maybe he's off the sauce.
1: He did have a job, Arnie. He is a Santa Claus.
3: It's a success story, Arnie. I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: Redemption!
3: Yes, I like it. It's a good American story. We like to see this.
1: He's the only one who had any character development.
3: Come on, it could be an inspirational film. If they wanted to make it like Lean on Me or Stand and Deliver, it could be the story of a man who used to put on a Santa suit to kill children, who, after a bout of drunken depression with some riches, pulled it together and is now going to really entertain children (laughs) and make passes at the hot elf girl (laughs) that brings him the kids. I don't quite understand why someone who has a military background can't get a better job than as a store Santa. Noah's appearance here as the store Santa is more than a little weird. And the fact that Derek is being brought to him in the hopes that Sarah will get him to talk by having to ask what he wants for Christmas. She won't let this go. Does she not believe in actual therapy and mental health experts? (laughs) Does she really want toy salesmen and ex-serial killers who put on Santa suits to be the one to
2: get her child to have a breakthrough? As far as Noah goes, I thought Noah was there specifically to get to Derek through the Santa thing. I didn't think that was his way of making the rent. Basically, because this is such a two-dimensional movie, I figured Noah had nothing in his life except attacking these toys and trying to protect his ex-girlfriend's son. Well, when did he know to come back into their life? My
3: understanding, when I walk back through the plot, is we're going to find out that his relationship with Sarah happened mid-college, and he got her pregnant and went away to the army. He's back... I assume that he found her because the husband died, right? Like that made the papers and then he went and found her?
1: It never is said. I wondered the same thing because I thought during the Santa Claus scene, they really threw it out there like he was trying to get to Derek. We knew at this point Derek was the target. But once you get to the end, you're like, I don't understand what happened getting there. Why this happened because there's no good reason why he's there. There's no
3: reason if he knows that the husband that she picked over him because he was stable, not because she was in love with him. Clearly, she (laughs) wasn't in love with him. I haven't seen one tear on her eye. (laughs) But if he had known that she was single again, you would think that he wouldn't have to put up a front and hide in disguise and stalk her in red Broncos and put on Santa suits to touch his child. You just wouldn't think he would need to go to these extremes. He would probably just serve himself better by going up and knocking on the door and being. Hey, do
2: you need a hand? I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, the entire thing, it only makes sense from a storytelling purpose in that we're supposed to think he's bad. Because if you look at it from any logical standpoint, it falls right the hell apart.
3: Right. That's why I presume that this was how he was getting by, paying the rent. It was coincidental that he happened to see his own son coming up and being brought to him to ask for Christmas wishes. And then we have this awkward exchange where he won't give him up.
2: (laughs) I would be calling the cops immediately on that Santa.
3: Yes, that's when you actually get Clint Howard, the Santa Claus killer, to fill in for him and send this Noah guy home for the day.
2: And then they get home and Pino is like going through the house. Now, at this point, I need to try to figure out what Pino's plan really is, because you mentioned earlier that first toy. He was supposed to kill Derek on Christmas Day. I imagine Pito probably wanted the dad out of the way, too, because in addition to wanting to be the son of a loving mother and replace Derek and get away from his abusive Geppetto father, he also seems to want a fucker. Yes, well that's really
3: made clear explicitly at the end. Up to this point, we just see a desire. He takes photographs of her, he longingly strokes them, later we'll see that he's painted portraits based on these photos. There is clearly some attraction. It could be maternal at this point, and it doesn't
2: necessarily have to be sexual, does it? Well, because we know what's coming later and it is sexual, Don't you think he also would want the father out of the way? Yeah,
3: it's hard to imagine what he thinks a family is. What was Joe telling him about what he was missing out being this orphaned robot boy? I don't quite understand Pino, but at this point, I've got to say, in the movie, watching it the first time, as much as I feel like I figured out things and I'm ahead of it as far as who's who and who's making the toys and all of that, I do not understand what is going on. I do not know who the threat is.
1: I'm just as confused because it just didn't make any sense.
3: And I don't know that that's necessarily a compliment. Obviously, you don't want people to figure out a it in the middle of the movie. But I can't say that I'm intrigued to know why. I'm more just sort of cocking my head and wondering when we're going to get to Christmas Eve.
1: But at one point, I had already figured out that Noah was Derek's real father. And I forgot when I figured that out.
2: Yeah, you flipped me out in the middle of it, like, is he the real dad? But there was nothing to make anybody in the audience think that that first guy wasn't the real dad, except for the fact that he was just mean. But real mean fathers exist, so... When we get to Christmas Eve, that's when all is
3: told, and that he first bangs on the door and says... Let me in, and the babysitter and Derek are totally terrified, won't let him in, but they do give him the address of where Sarah works, and he goes and finds her in the underground parking lot, and they fuck and reminisce, and we found (laughs) all of this really in a data dump right at the end. Not only that they were ex-lovers and why they didn't hook up long ago and how Derek is his real six-year-old son but also that he has all the information and dirt on Joe Pedo and his history of having, maiming, and even killing children in the manufacturing of his sad toys.
2: Yeah, and we get this, like, dual sex scene going on with this, and I first thought Sarah really fell into his arms too quickly for someone whose husband died two weeks ago, making me wonder if it was even really her husband. (laughs) I mean, was it just a boyfriend? They say they were married, but admittedly, when we first are introduced to Sarah in this movie, she is getting fucked. Maybe she just has needs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think she's just power
2: shacking?
3: <laughs> he did not see her in that first week and a half. I'm sure it was a really bitter and painful one, and she pulled herself together. <laughs>
2: ten days. If Marjorie dies, I have ten days of badness, and then I'm screwing an ex in a garage. All right. She's not a romantic, I can tell you that. During all of this drama, Pino is staging a number of attacks, and one of them actually upset me. I felt so bad for poor Lonnie, because Lonnie, (laughs) in the last film, was almost gutted on a roof by a bunch of lesbian witches. And he survived that movie. His career didn't. (laughs) Kim's career didn't. Only Clint Howard really went on to work again. But he survived that movie. And here, he's kind of a little jerk. He's a bit of a bully. But he's a survivor with whom I have some affinity from the previous movie. And he puts on the evil rollerblades and starts verbally sparring with a boy and girl walking down the street. And then the rollerblades go nuts and start running him all around until he is hit by a car.
3: Again, this was a gift left for Derek to open on... Christmas right Derek dumps it in the garbage because he's on to this by this point he knows mysterious packages aren't coming from Kim the neighbor they're (laughs) coming from a threat that he may not understand but can identify as being homicidal why would rollerblades intended to fit the feet of six-year-olds fit Lonnie
1: I don't think you're supposed to think that hard about this Stuart
3: but you asked me the same question Mark. yeah I
1: did I know
3: Yeah, I don't think they come in one size fits all, but maybe they do because they're wired. They're special evil rollerblades.
1: Magic rollerblades. It's like the brotherhood of the traveling rollerblades.
3: (laughs) That nearly sends him into a garage. All you got to do about rollerblading, I've done it, is just fall in some soft grass. He had plenty of lawn there to just throw himself in once he was starting to rocket around the driveway. I really don't understand why he ended up in the fender of a car, but he lived.
2: There were sparklers in the heels, though. (laughs) You felt bad for this kid? I really thought he was going to die. And I'm like, oh, man, he survived the last film just to come back. First of all, he was very young. I'm used to that in the Friday the 13th movies and the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. If you survive one and you're back, you're meat. But for some reason, I just wasn't expecting that with Lonnie. And so I felt really bad for him when the car smacked into him. But then I felt worse when it's lame and he lived and he's just in a body cast. (laughs) and then i'm like is this movie a comedy (laughs) i only see body casts in comedies
3: it was kind of funny but yeah they pulled a punch there they probably should have killed him to give this movie a little bit more edge but no
2: and then a whole bunch of new characters are introduced just for the sake of being attacked like Derek's. Babysitter and her boyfriend and another gratuitous sex scene. I would just want to point out that this is Christmas Eve, by
3: the way. The mom has chose to leave her child on Christmas Eve with a 15-year-old babysitter who's screwing her boyfriend in the next room.
1: Stuart, she's still getting off work. She was coming home because they gave the address to Noah.
3: You work on Christmas Eve? I work on Christmas Eve. You don't? <laughs> I would make a special exception for my child that is traumatized and not speaking to maybe take the day off.
1: Well, yeah, you would think, but she's not going to win any Mom of the Year awards here.
2: No, clearly not. But we do get some fun toy attacks because Pino just comes in and dumps a bunch of toys. It's not Christmas. He kept saying, don't open till Christmas. Now he's like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to put all these toys around. It's
3: not, at this point, understood that it's Pinot, though. We think that it's Pinot at first because they're using POV and he's coming through the cellar like he did the first time. But when we see the Santa Claus, it's Mickey Rooney's face. So did you figure it out that it was Pinot or did you think that it was finally them revealing that Mickey was the killer?
1: I thought it was them revealing Mickey was a killer. And I thought his motive was maybe to kidnap Derek and take him with...
3: Which he does. He puts him in a sack.
1: But I thought that he was going to either use him... As a model for another boy, because obviously Pino's got some issues for something he created.
3: You concluded what I concluded, which I thought that he was going to take parts Mm -hmm. from little Derek and put him on his incomplete, unsatisfying Pinocchio. I thought that that's what this plot. At this point, when I see Mickey Rooney entering the house, I'm like, aha. So that's what it is. He won't be satisfied until his robot son is so lifelike, because I had somehow inferred that this was a robot or wooden life toy creation, but that the only way to make him real would be to have Derek infused with him, or maybe some Child's Play voodoo thing. I don't know, but I figured Derek is the key to making Pinocchio
2: real. I kind of went with the voodoo thing. I thought that, like, there would be a soul transfer to put Pino's soul in the body of a real boy. I went Child's Play. Mm Mm-hmm. And clearly Child's Play was a big reason they probably went in this direction.
1: When those toys are dumped in that room, it starts to look like poltergeists. The very first movie, because all the toys are going crazy, and they're walking, and the little tanks are firing, and then we get the best part of a kill, I think, in a horror movie. Not the best kill, but the best part, where there's a fake hand crawling up the bed, and it (laughs) starts to go for the guy's ass. And it's awesome, and he's, like, shooing it away, and then he's like, oh, it feels good, baby. And it's hilarious.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you've never touched me there. That
3: was the shocker, right? Not that the hand would go for him. We saw what that larva was doing to the other guy, (laughs) but the fact that it actually turned him on. The (laughs) fact that he got mad when the hand went and crawled and groped some breasts.
1: He liked it up there. He wanted a little
3: poop. Yeah, that was pretty progressive for a horror movie in 91.
1: It was, yes. It's
2: progressive for now.
3: I don't know. It's maybe 40 shades of gray wrapping paper. I, I feel like they could do it now. People wouldn't be so stunned. But, uh, 91. Yeah. It's a shocker. And it, of course, keeps going past her breast. It goes for the throat. This toy battle is kind of
2: fun. And then after that, it starts touching her better than he does. And she's like getting off on it. This hand <laughs> knows what it's doing. Where can I get one of those hands? <laughs>
3: I believe that all these toys can be bought online. <laughs>
2: Then yes, it does go for the throat and starts to choke her. She escapes, but he gets attacked by perhaps my favorite toy of the whole thing. The larva is the best attack, but I love the buzzsaw blade wielding robot because what the hell kind of toy is that for kids?
3: I don't know. All these battles, it's what the movie I thought was going to be all the time. I really thought that it was going to be this little kid sicking all of his crazy toys on obnoxious relatives that have come over for the holidays. I think that that's kind of what I wanted. I didn't really have it any in for this babysitter and her boyfriend. They're a little too young to be doing what they're doing, but beyond that, I don't have anything invested in them being punished. Seeing them shot up with tanks and army guys, I think I just would enjoy this more if I had a reason to root for their demise.
1: But these toys may be the reason that Pedo's Toy Store is doing poorly. <laughs> it's the toy store of dangerous toys.
3: How many times did they recall toys that I loved and I wanted anyway? I don't care if a toy is going to choke me or injure me or shoot my eye out. I want the BB gun. You know, (laughs) I just think the toys failed not because of the homicide. It was the unhipness. I'm telling you.
1: I think that you, I, and Arnie are all lucky to be alive based on the toys that were out when we were children. (laughs)
3: Lawn darts. Who came up with that one?
1: (laughs) I used to play with that Stretch Armstrong all the time with the carcinogenic gel
2: inside. Oh, oh, that's carcinogenic? Yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's like napalm. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I think I might have ingested some of that. Yeah, they put some Agent Orange in the Stretch Armstrongs, but that would have been a better death here, too, is like the goo out of a Stretch Armstrong killing people. If they had gone with licensed toys or classic toys, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more than what we get here. The flying, exploding Superman is one for the books. It was halfway there. I'm an easy lay when it comes to these
3: killer toys. The little (laughs) tiki fetish doll from Trilogy of Terror. I want to see these crazy killer toys. God knows the dummy from Magic freaked me out. If they just tried a little harder, I would have been really won over with these toy battles. But it's kind of impersonal here. By not going with dolls and teddy bears, as the poster implied not quite there i'm enjoying it don't get me wrong this is the best stuff in the movie but not as good as it should have been
2: yeah they could have gone much better if they'd gone either satirical yes where like you had the transformers that come together and form a killer robot or something like that look at the toys at the time and figure out how they could kill people in inventive and fun ways Teddy Rock spent. You can't
3: tell me that that wasn't going to kill somebody at some point. Yeah, I think that would have been the way to do it. I'm wondering if they had the budget or the time to pull that off. I think that this thing was really thrown together very, very quickly. And even though they got a guy with good effects work on his resume, he may not have had the budget or time or inclination, frankly, to give this movie the kinds of
2: well-thought-out killer toys it needs. It also could have been a copyright issue. They could have been feared of being sued. And while a big studio picture will mount the parody defense. Here, they can't even afford a lawyer to sign the contracts for the paychecks, I bet. It's, (laughs) like, not union work. But I feel that maybe they ran out of money at the end of the film or something, because after Derek gets kidnapped, I get very confused at what's going on. Noah kind of just disappears. Well, for
3: reasons unknown... She won't go with him to the toy shop. She goes first, doesn't wait for him. Even though he's military trained, one would think that he would be helpful in a fight. She goes through the back door upstairs. He busts in through the front. They're in the same place, fighting different battles. Unsure, I think, that each other are there.
2: Plus, this is Petto's Toy Store, not Macy's. You'd think (laughs) you'd be stepping on top of each other in this place. (laughs) Yeah, It's
1: huge for an apartment above.
2: One aisle of toys. I don't (laughs) think that there's
3: too much to get confused about here.
1: I think we just all need to have an agreement. If we are ever going after a crazy toy maker, guys, we're not splitting up.
3: I think it's a good one.
2: And then, yes, she is attacked by Mickey Rooney, and this is really the only moment we get an attack from a guy in a Santa suit. He kidnapped Derek, but this is the only real time he attacked. He used the toys for the attacks earlier. He still never carries an axe like is shown on the front of the box, but this is our killer Santa moment. I guess you're
3: right. I was thinking he did have an axe, but by that point, his face, the Mickey Rooney face, the actor, is not involved in those scenes. Maybe that's what the compromise they made. They knew that Mickey wasn't going to hold the bloody axe.
2: And yeah, I thought I was wrong, and that Mickey Rooney was the killer, until we see Mickey Rooney's dead body and Pino removes the fake face. That's creepy.
3: They used it in the trailer, is unfortunately the truth, so I knew that this was coming. I still liked it. I still thought it was fun. This is where the movie really becomes Terminator, right? At this point, Sarah, I mean, even the names of the character, is fighting a robot that she cuts in half that's crawling after her. The father of her son is coming back to save them. I just feel like it was a lazy attempt to anticipate Terminator 2 coming out the same year and copy the first
2: James Cameron climax.
1: Hmm, I never thought about that. Interesting.
2: Yeah, because when I think of Terminator, I immediately think we should tell a Pinocchio story.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Robots, Pinocchio, you can see what they were going for.
2: But they really went weird with Pino here at the end because they give him that, like, live doll thing like do you remember the energizer ad of the family that would run out of power that's what he looked like i know that ad came about five years later but those were some creepy ass people
3: i don't even know that i know the ad but i do feel like i've seen movies about mannequins and things where they have this sort of affected puppet boy look to them i think it works i kind of wish we had more fights with pino in this way This whole mystery should have been resolved midway, and we could have had a lot more fun just watching Pino be a badass here.
2: I don't even get what's going on when he pulls down his pants, has nothing there, but then, like, every Silent Night, Deadly Night, I realized all the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies need two things. One, a scene of them watching the previous movie, and two... A rape. Yes. And in this case, the rape is not able to be consummated because he lacks the equipment. But he's like our neutered puppy thrusting away impotently and saying, I love you, mommy. I love you. I want you. Yes. Lots of questions
3: at this moment. One, why does he have a sex drive if he has no genitalia? Why can't Mickey Rooney make a penis? If he can make everything else, why couldn't he just stick a penis on? Like That was like the detail that was keeping him from believing that Pino was a real boy. Just go to an expert. Call up John Holmes. Get plaster (laughs) caster. I don't know. But just do it and be done with it. And then you can have
2: your real boy, right? Or hell, just put a costume on Larry the Larva. (laughs) Hey, he would have been the star of the school. (laughs) Well, you got to think, those little hands were doing good. Pino the pleasure machine here. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. If only
3: Larry the larva and Pino had come together. Problem solved. No need to harass Derek at all. But he's killed the real Joe. He got tired of being thrown down the stairs and breaking, and so... His whole attempt now is, yes, mommy sequestering. He doesn't want a father figure. He doesn't want an extended family. He doesn't want to share family time with Derek. He wants to knife Derek. He wants to have his father dead. And yes, he thinks the ideal mother-son coupling is spooning. I guess this all comes back to Psycho, right? The granddaddy of all slashers is, if there's something wrong with you and you're driven to kill, it probably has something to do with your mother. That's a therapist joke that they just tell again and again in these slasher movies. It's always the mother.
1: I think it's just convenient is what it is.
3: Yes, convenience is exactly what it is. Why bother coming up with a new motivation when everyone understands this is the one that it usually is?
2: All that said, while you're not wrong in anything you say, I think if you're looking at a Pinocchio story where Pinocchio is abused, and all he wants is a loving parental figure, and all he's known is hatred from a father, and you see that... Derek's father was kind of mean, too. Killing the father and going for the mother seems just very symmetrical. It may be psycho, but I don't even think they were thinking that far. I think they were just looking at, if you have a bad dad, you'd want a good mom. It's Oedipal, Electra, Complex, all around. What I don't get is why he just didn't kill Derek to begin with, though. Why keep the boy alive and hold him hostage?
1: Because it's the James Bond murder! This is what happens. No one ever kills James Bond. They have to stand around and make witty jokes. And this is what you do in horror movies.
2: You weren't even on that retrospective, but you're dead right. <laughs>
1: no, it, it, it's exactly what happens. You don't kill him right away. You got to stand around and tell your crazy ass plan so the person you're telling it to could figure out how to trick you and get out of it, which is what she did.
3: I just wonder, would Sarah actually shed a tear if another member of her family died? Or would she just be like, oh, okay. I don't see her getting
2: emotional. She didn't get to tears in her acting class. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs>
1: That cost extra.
2: But Noah comes in and saves the day, which is disappointing. No, no, I say that she saves the day. He has the axe,
3: but ultimately she's the one that puts him down. She's got the high heel that puts him down at the very, very
2: end. That's true. She just continues to smash him. But are we left to think after that that there's an opening for a sequel because there's another doll mannequin hanging somewhere that starts to glow with that force lightning and laugh?
3: Yeah, of course. That's the whole idea, is that there were more toys in that shop. That there wasn't just Pino, there was lots of doll parts and half-made boys lying around. So maybe they all want to screw Sarah.
1: <laughs> so maybe Petto had something for Sarah and transferred it to Pino?
3: I'm telling you, I think Petto wanted to move
2: into the house as is. Take Derek, take her, absolutely. Well, they can take it, but can you, Marjorie Stewart... Do you recommend Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker? Marjorie.
1: Hmm, I'm really on the fence because it's a horrid movie. It's bad, it's got lazy screenwriting, terrible acting. And you know what? I'm just going to go with a not recommend because it's not a good movie. I only enjoyed it because of the making fun of it. So if that's your thing, then you're going to enjoy it. But I don't think I can recommend it. I'll never, ever watch it again. And you can save yourself some hassle by not watching it.
2: Stuart, I'm going to
3: give it the fruitcake, but I, you are maybe only half of one. It wasn't as much of a delight to tear into this one as it was part two. Part two was genuinely a good time. This one has some fun moments. Like I said, I'm a sucker for killer toys. This could have been fun, more fun than it really was. But there's enough here for me to recognize it's a huge step up from parts three and four and really even part one two and five are the ones that I would give a fruit case to these are not recommends this is me trying to decide whether it's a lump of
2: coal or a fruitcake and I'll give it the fruitcake which is a green arrow when at the end of the season
1: cuz I was kinda of wondering getting confused I'm like well fruitcake no one wants a fruitcake
3: <laughs> exactly nobody wants any of these silent night deadly night movies they're really not
2: edible but they're better than a lump of coal right
1: Eh, Cole might be worth something.
2: For me, I went into this just again hoping for a silly, fun time like we had with Silent Night Deadly Night 2, like I had with some of the Child's Play films. I didn't expect Killer Toys to actually be scary. With Screaming Mad George, I had high hopes for gore but I didn't get much gore. There were some strange edits to this, even direct-to-video. You still had to deal with the MPAA, you still had to get your R rating. I think this film was compromised in its release. But the kills weren't all that fun. The plot was semi-incomprehensible. It was poorly written. The acting, oh my god, the acting is atrocious. When Kim from the last movie is your shining star in this movie, you know you're fucked. I gotta give this a big not recommend. I really had hoped for a blast of a time and just a throwback fun garbage film, but instead it's just garbage. Garbage game! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so glad that this is the end of the original retrospective and that it would be 21 years. This movie could drink by the time they'd make another Silent Night Deadly Night film. Exactly so. We
3: we're going to end here. When we originally said, let's do satellite Night, Deadly Night, this is what you were opening on Christmas morning. So I imagine it would have been a lot of tears because it isn't as much fun as you'd want it to be. We still have one more shot, guys. I don't know. When we get to Christmas Day, is what's
2: on our list going to be there when we take off the paper? It's been out for a few weeks by the time the listeners are listening to this, but none of us have seen it yet when we record. I've seen the trailer. It looks like all it has in common with the original is a Killer Santa motif. Well, I like that. That's what it should have. And a title. But we will find out on Christmas Day. (laughs) Wake up early.
3: Gonna be there. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm gonna predict right now best of the series. (laughs) That's a very low bar to step over. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? I don't know. Two was really, when I think about some of those deaths in two, there were tears streaming down my face. There were big laughs in that 30 minutes at the end there.
2: This next one doesn't look laughably bad, but it might actually be good. So you better not pout. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Now playing, we'll be back on Christmas Day.
0: Christmas <laughs> Day you're safe now Santa Claus is gone thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing
1: cheer up tomorrow's Christmas Eve and things are only going to get better
0: if you enjoy this podcast, head to our website, nowplayingpodcast.com, to hear the other reviews in the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Let me tell you about Christmas. It ain't all candy canes and pretty lights. As well as other horror movie reviews, such as the Halloween movies, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, House of a Thousand Corpses, and more. You tend to get paranoid when everyone around you gets dead. We also have non-horror movie reviews, such as Star Trek, terminator the avengers rambo rocky and more that sounds like an enterprise of great pith find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. is it live or is it memorized? while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners you will talk i will listen but then you know that you can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews.
3: So where are you going to go?
0: The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com You have to come up sometime and when you do, I'll be waiting for you. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Ho,
1: ho, ho! Give a dollar for the kiddies!
0: You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com.
2: Put the money in the bag.
0: Now Playing's Silent Night, Deadly Night is edited by Ray, Phil, Dylan, Jeff, and Arnie. What are you, a masochist or something? Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. I'm finished talking, Henry. The Silent Night, Deadly Night films are the property of their individual studios and stakeholders, and no infringement is intended. Too many people get away with shit like that. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. There is no logical explanation. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production copyright 2012, all rights reserved. It's over!
2: Time to get shit faced! <laughs> Naughty.
1: She was getting her Christmas fuck.
2: <laughs> what? You just said that so casually and revealed yeah. so much about our life.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> a
3: I didn't ask any follow up questions because I thought, you know, I don't need to know what they're doing on Christmas Eve. <laughs> what?
1: Well, if you were in a relationship, you always fuck on the holidays. You fuck other times too, but you always fuck on the holidays. Or you fight. But yes, I agree. Well, you know, we don't fight, so you save it for the show. Martin Luther King Day, you know. <laughs> Everyone gets a Martin Luther King Day fuck. <laughs> Arnie's embarrassed. Yeah, I was about to say,
3: how red are you? And are you red enough to make Ricky want to kill you? Yes, he is.
1: <laughs> Apparently girls aren't supposed to talk about having sex. Oh, no. Well, there are,
3: you know, lots of people now that are privy to your bedroom habits.
1: But let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, please, sex play.
2: please, let's move on.
1: <laughs> Arnie. <laughs>
2: Punish. I just thought it was a quick one-off reference that the toy store was going to be named after a famous toy maker from Disney owner of Star Wars <laughs> Naughty Directed by Martin Kitrosser. I guess, I don't know him <laughs> Is it Kitrosser.
1: I'm sure he's waiting tables at a restaurant near you, Stuart No, he's, he's, he's Tarantino's script supervisor
3: all his yeah. movies He wrote Friday the 13th 3 and 5 the one where they're in the toilet singing to each other. Call and response. <laughs> Punish! It was ambitious. I thought you were auditioning for American Idol, honestly. She bang, she bang. Oh, baby, <laughs> when she moo, she moo. Speaking of Mickey Rooney bad Asian
2: impersonations, yes. <laughs> Let's see if you can outpong the William. I decided to go a little bit more rockin' on this one. Okay. Naughty. Silent Night, Deadly Night, The toy The Toymaker. Tells a story about a young boy. He finds a present in front of his pad. I'm
0: to try up here.
2: Sigh!
0: Carpet day!